Today's reading is taken from Exodus 5:15 through Exodus 6:13. Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, "Why do you treat treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people." But he said, "You are idle. You are idle, and that is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work." No straw will be given you, but you still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them, as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge you, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give you... I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I thought I I would have heard you all rejoicing because we're going through the book of Exodus and we actually chopped out a bit that's more than like six verses. So I thought y'all, yeah, we're moving forward. Last week, we, uh, we did a recap of the first four chapters that brought us up until this point, and I'm not going to do that today. Um, what I am going to do is pray for us and let you know how we enter into this text. So would you join me in praying this morning? Lord, would you allow these, these words from your scripture to breathe life into us? Help us understand the plight uh, of the people of Israel, of your chosen people. But Lord, help it give us understanding of how you love and are caring for us today, your chosen people. And so, Lord, will we come to understand the beauty of who you are through you speaking this morning. Calm the ears of your people. Guide my tongue. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Moses and Aaron, they go to meet with Pharaoh. 
And they meet with Pharaoh face to face. And they say to Pharaoh, God has told us to let, to tell you to let his people go. And Pharaoh says, God who? Uh, No, I I didn't get the memo. And so what I'm going to do actually is make life more difficult for you. I'm going to make your labor even more tough. So the people of God take a stand for God, but actually their life and their experience gets worse. And so it's into this reality that we start off with our verses today in chapter 5. Verse 15, and then it says, then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to the servants. Yet they say to us, make bricks and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is your own. You got to remember at this time, the, the foreman is a Hebrew. He is a part of the people of God. He's been appointed to be over his people. So for some time now, he's been under this new rule, this new rule of Man, we don't get as much materials, but we're expected to go in and produce the same amount of bricks. He's been under this new rule where if they don't produce those amount of bricks, they're going to be beaten. And so he's coming to the Pharaoh, actually coming to plead to say, man, Pharaoh, it's kind of common sense, right? I mean, if you expect us to do the same amount of work and give us less material It's probably not going to work out. So this this really fault of your own. You're setting this up because you're not giving us as much. So shouldn't it make sense that you should change this rule? It seems like common sense. But Pharaoh does not agree. Pharaoh does not does not give in. He then says in in in, uh, the foreman of the people saw that they were in trouble in verse 19. It says in trouble when they said you shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily tasks each day. They met Moses, Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to him, Lord, the Lord, look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They were in trouble in trouble. Have you ever been in a situation where you looked up and was like, man. How did I get here? Yeah, it was, it was your choice. You made the choice, but you didn't realize your choice was going to bring on this. Let me take you guys back to middle school. I'm in the seventh or eighth grade. And one of my homies said something to me like, Lee, man, we about to, we about to do some sports. And you know, football was one of those sports that I didn't like. I love playing, but I didn't like being out in the cold. So one of my boys said, hey, we're going to do wrestling. Okay, cool. I'm joining the wrestling team. Let's start wrestling. All right. So my coach says, hey, okay, I want you guys to start running. We start running. He's yelling at us. Okay, I can handle yelling at me. Let me, let me get my running tight. Okay. He starts having us do drills. Okay, cool. I, I can get my drills going, you know, shoot the single leg, all these different moves you do. Okay. And then something happened. He said, okay, now I'm going to have you practice. So he brings me out on the mat, grabs this other guy. The other guy grabs me, picks me up, and slams me. I'm seeing lights in the ceiling all of a sudden. The room is spinning. And I'm like, how did I get here? I thought I was signing up for wrestling. Is this wrestling? (laughs) 
my, my whole world had changed because I, I didn't know wrestling was painful. Nobody told me that part when I signed up. You see, that, that, that's, that's a situation with a little bit of laughter of, man, I made the choice. I signed up for it, but I didn't really know what I was getting into. See, some of us look at our lives and we have some of those situations, don't we? Some of those situations where maybe we chose money over God's voice. And we say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity. Wait a minute. This isn't all that I thought it would be. Or we ignored the values that this person showed us because of who we wanted them to be. And then we look up and we're like, how did I end up with this nut? Mm-hmm. Notice I didn't put a, a declaration of gender on that. You can be a nut as a woman or a man. And the pain has you reassess everything. You see here, the people of God have taken a step for God. They're like, God, we're doing this in obedience to you. And now look at the trouble we're in. We knew we were signing up to follow you, but we didn't know we were signing up for this. We didn't know we were signing up for this. And so, and so it, it leads them to, to now they're, they're still a people of God. They're still a people of faith. They're still a people that, that love God. And so they're not going to come out of this type of interaction with Pharaoh and begin blaming God. So who do they blame? Moses. And they say, the Lord look on you and judge you. The Lord look on you and judge you. So now it's, 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 it's as if they're saying to him, hey, you know what? You went first to go speak with Pharaoh. Times got harder. I'm going to go. I know I'm going to be able to work it out. So Moses, back up. I'll go instead. And then Pharaoh is, gives them the same response. So now they come back to Moses like, Moses, basically, I don't know what you did when you first spoke to him, but his heart is hard. You know, and you, you see siblings do it too. You're a sibling and you're like, hey, go ask mom for something. One sibling goes off, asks mom, comes back. She said, no, no, man, you didn't ask her, right? Let me go ask her. You don't know what you're doing. I got this, you know, let me go ask her. Didn't I say no? You come back. What did you say to her, man? She mad, you know, you come back blaming the person. And the same thing happens within the people of Israel. They're not going to blame, blame God because they believe God. They, they do believe he's going to come through on this promise. But man, he didn't say the promise was going to be fulfilled like this. Moses, maybe you presented it in the wrong way. So now if you did, may the Lord judge you. We don't know. We weren't in there. But the Lord sees and if you was tripping, the Lord's going to get you. That, that's what they're saying by judge you. They, they're saying the God of all sees all. And if you messed up things for us, he's going to get you. And so they, they, they don't want. They don't want to to. Um, they don't want to throw Moses under the bus, but they do want him to understand that he too submits to a holy God who sees all. And so we go into verse 21. And he says, but I want you to recall something, huh? He's going to say in verse 21, excuse me, I got a little bit off. Thank you, brother. 
And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge you. But because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now the now the experience gets a little warped, right? I mean, was was Moses the one who created slavery? No. Was Moses the one that made the people of Israel a a subservient group within Egypt? No. But now it's viewed as if Moses is the one who's who set up this anger and made it so that now Pharaoh's mad at them. But how quickly we forget, you know, how quickly they forget that Pharaoh was had extreme rage and anger towards this people far before Moses stepped on the scene. Far before he stepped on the scene. And so in verse 22, he says, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Now, when 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 the Hebrew comes back to Moses, he comes back ready to yell, ready to share, ready to express his disappointment. And we're going to see Moses respond in a way that breaks him. But this is a new response. You see, when Moses was engaging with Pharaoh and Pharaoh was denying him all that God said, Moses didn't give in. He didn't break. He didn't say, oh, man, Pharaoh said, no, I guess we're done. We actually see Moses still holding on to the promise. But but what begins to break Moses? People. Look this in verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me for since I come to Pharaoh to speak in your name? He has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. At all. Now, now his people are coming back to him and his, and his heart is breaking. His heart is, is, is hurting because how could the people that you've called me to care for and love. Now turn to me and see me as one of their enemies. And so we can be a people right now. We can be so quick to judge looking at Moses like, Moses, why was you tripping on God? But see, we actually get a snapshot into the realness of what it's like to be a believer. While we might be quick to quick to criticize Moses. Moses actually gives us a sense of what it's like to be vulnerable and with a holy God. First, Moses is real. He's not sugarcoating the situation. He's not trying to filter it. He's saying, look, God, this is painful. This hurts. And let's see on a Sunday when we're all here celebrating and I ask you to you to pray. That's one. That's one way of praying. That's a joyful, you know, some some contemplative. You've had some time to think on it. Let me come out to your house right after you realize somebody just busted your window and stole your muffler and listen in on that prayer. Hmm. Let, let me see how the prayer sounds when when the person at work has been lying on you and you got fired because of their lies. How does that prayer sound? You know. See, we catch Moses at a place of vulnerability of saying This is tough. Life is tough. And instead of imploding and just saying, woe is me, he says, and God, he he shares these things with a holy God. 
But notice where his focus goes. It doesn't just end there. He also rests on the promise. At the end of verse 23, he says, you have not delivered your people. See, that was the promise that was given to him by the Lord. That he, that God would deliver his people from the Egyptian slavery and bring them to the promised land. So while in the midst of this struggle, he roots it back in the beauty of who God is. Now he's saying this promise that you said you were going to bring forth, that hasn't happened, Lord. Will you bring that to pass? And I pray for us, MacAb, that that would be a part of our prayer life. That our prayer life would, would, would be honest. It would be vulnerable. It would be transparent. It would deal with the exact situations we're going through in life. But that it would be rooted in who God says he is. That it would be rooted in the things that he says he's going to bring to pass so that we can reorient ourselves away from our hurt and focus on who he says he is, his divine and holy character, which will get us through. And so he brings it back to the promise. And so now we saw how Moses responded when the people came to him. When the people saying, man, let God judge you if you was tripping Moses, because this environment, this situation is crazy. And Moses cries out unto the Lord. But now let us see how the Lord responds. Verse one in chapter six. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I do not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. It's his name. This name Yahweh, which serves to remind Moses of who God is. He's connecting them. He's saying, look, I've done this before and I'll do it again. I've done this before and I'll do it again. Now, let me ask you guys, how many folks in here have been in like some type of contract before? A contract of some sort. Maybe it was hiring, you know, maybe maybe you have your own business and you enter into that to individuals. Um, Maybe one that's really common is when you buy a home. All right. Now, some things that are really important in a contract are the terms, how much you're going to get paid, what you're going to get. But, but the most important thing on any contract is the name. You see, the person that is giving and the person receiving are very important. 
And so the language that God is using here is a covenantal language saying, I am God. I am the one who is establishing my covenant with you. I am going to be the one that brings these things to pass. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Abraham, he got a mortgage. Isaac got a mortgage. Jacob got it. Yeah. I hooked up their mortgages. I can hook up your mortgage, too. Do you do you see the the he's, he's connecting him with a whole lineage of people that he has provided for, will provide for and letting him know you can rest assured. I will provide. So in my name is peace, a peace that you can trust on, not with a lofty hope, but also to show you what I have done in my past, a peace that you can trust in because I've proven myself and shown myself. But not only is he just showing the name is one in which you understand who I am and what I've done. It's also a name that 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 communicates intimacy. I am the Lord. I am your God, your God. You see, people will celebrate Jesus. We got people that celebrate Jesus because he was uh, a healer. We have people that celebrate Jesus uh, because he was uh, an advocate for the poor. We have people that celebrate Jesus because he was a reconciler of people. Okay? People that celebrate Jesus because he was a champion of justice. But see, if you miss that Jesus is your personal savior, then you miss the foundation by which everything else is built upon. You see, he's not the savior of some other people. He is your personal savior so in saying i am yahweh he's saying look i've done this for everybody but i'm gonna do it for you i'm gonna do it for you and so now this people of israel can identify with this god who is set aside just for them and if i can be honest uh it, it, it's a concept that's a little foreign to us it's tough for us to tough for us to own even here where he says, um, uh, and we're going to jump forward in a second to what it looks like to be chosen by God. But one of the things God says is he says, I have heard and I've remembered my covenant. Now, we see that language and we think, hold on now, pastor, remember my covenant? How could God say that? Does God forget? No, not at all. Not at all. This is this is like a an idiom or idiomatic phrase. You know how you you each word by itself like makes a phrase that you understand. But if you looked at each word like you can't take it at its face value because the phrase means something bigger than each word. Like if you say it's raining cats and dogs. Take each word by itself and it makes no sense. Right. (laughs) You go outside looking for cats and dogs falling from the sky. We need to check you into another hospital. You know what I'm saying? But that phrase in and of itself communicates something, okay? This, this same thing is happening here. God is communicating that I will respond to your prayers and I'm going to act based on my promises is what God's saying. Is I'm, I'm going to move on the things I've said to you and you can rest assured that it will come to pass. But in verse 7, he says, I, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. This is this is a concept called election, election, election. And I, I know it's 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 uh, sometimes a little foreign to us, 
but it's basically God choosing to set apart a people for his purposes. Okay. So he's, he's done that with the people of Israel. I want to show you some verses that, that iron that out. Uh, And dare I say, he's done that within many of our lives in this room. Deuteronomy seven says this, just to make sure that we don't think that one people group was better than another. And that's why he chose them. It says, uh, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people. Okay. He's like, Hey, it wasn't your stature. It wasn't your might. If you try to look at it based on pedigree, you're going to go crazy. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of the Pharaoh of King, uh, Pharaoh, King of Egypt. In Acts chapter 13, 17, it says this, the God of this people, Israel, he chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Another verse that helps us get it. Because sometimes we say, oh, that's Old Testament. Okay. Ephesians chapter one. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. I'm going to tie in all these together in a moment, but I, but I, but, but sometimes I have people who will say, well, well, pastor, if he chose us, then you're just a robot that like does what he says. And he just chooses every little step you make. And so you have no free will. You're just a puppet on a string by this God, right? So I think Matthew 16, 24, like helps us remember our duty as people. He says, uh, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You see, family, I want to share just a little bit of, of, of like, of the journey. You see, I might be the only one in here that believes it, but while sin like can tear me up, sin feels good. Okay. It it, it can tear me up. It is wrong, but it can feel good. So, so, so the, the, the thought that what feels good to my body, I would just all of a sudden wake up and choose for myself to start denying, even though it feels real good, is foolish from my perspective. You see, if I'm going to deny myself of something that feels real good, real, real good, it's got to be something better. There's got to be something better. And I have never been able to recognize better on my own. God in his mercy revealed himself to me, which gives me the strength to choose him over the flesh, which can feel real, real good. But I know it's real destructive. And so here's some layers to that. Okay. You might, you might be, um, you might've been godly. You know what I mean? You godly guy. You met, you met a godly girl, you know, and, and now y'all are connecting, thinking about marriage. All right, we're talking about marriage and we're we rolling down that road. And then 
All the cousins gone. Friends who went bowling gone. You find the two of y'all just at home alone. And this urge to experience this person in an intimate way just erupts with inside you. See, the reason why we deny ourselves in that way is because we know, we know there's a holy God that desires for that expression to take place in him in an appropriate manner. So we choose to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to fight against my flesh. Okay. Some of us in the room had, had, have had experiences of intimacy prior to knowing Jesus Christ. And then we come to know the Lord and we see the beauty of who he is. And he clearly shows you, I have you. I'm promising that I'm going to bring you into a new eternity. I've got a new kingdom that I'm settling forth. It starts in your heart and it's going to take place over this entire world where I'm doing new creation. But yet we've experienced that intimacy. And for some reason, the rest of the world don't know to stop coming knocking at our door. Because they still want that intimacy. And so now we choose to deny ourselves for the sake of a holy God. Not because we were wise enough, smooth enough, and cool enough. Not because we we were strong enough. But because a good God said, I'm going to show you how beautiful I am. And that I'm worth the sacrifice. You see, I stand up here. uh, Intimacy and sexual expression is just one. Pride. Greed. I can start listing each of those expressions or now have to be submitted before the Lord. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a young dude, you know, finally get a little bit of money in my pocket. When I had no money, I loved looking real fly. I'm going to tell y'all, I like looking real good, okay? So I went out buying clothes all the time, me and all my friends, trying to be fresh. I married this woman. She come talking to me about missions. Hey, we got, a, we got a budget. What's, what, what in our budget is going towards advancing God's kingdom in other areas? Well, when I go to Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, ain't that enough? You know what I'm saying? You know? That's where that... Now I've got to reassess how I spend. Now every, everything changes. And you think that I would just willfully give up these things Because of my internal desires? No, it's because of a holy God said, now I want you to examine how you speak, Leon. Yeah, you used to be the professor of cussing. Now I want you to use your tongue to uplift and build. What you gonna do? You gonna gonna crucify your flesh daily or you gonna keep giving them classes in the hood? What you gonna do? You see, it's, it's, it, you might say, well, tongue, speaking isn't my issue. That's okay. You got an issue. You got something. And the Lord is saying to you, I chose you. I showed you how beautiful I am. So now are you going to sacrifice your flesh daily? I think it was R.C. Sproul or J.I. Packer. It was one of, one of these gentlemen 
And I was reading and they said, you know, sovereignty of God and free will are not canceling each other out. Sovereignty of God means that that God is in control of our lives. Free will means that we get to make choices within our lives. And they, they painted this example of 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 everyone being on a cruise ship. Now, the, the captain has his orders to take us from one place to another. OK, and that ship goes from A to B. But on the ship, people can can enjoy what they want. They can go to a movie. They can go dancing. They can get pizza. They can do all these different things. But they're not controlling the end destination. You see, our election is now we've submitted our lives to a king who is guiding us towards an eternal end. But he says, while you're on the ship, I have character that I want you to exemplify. So I'm going to give you free will to do a bunch of different things. But would you look like me? Would you reflect me? Would you represent me within your free will? See, God is God says to his people that I've selected you as my people and I will be your God. And that same statement is true for us today. He is our God and we are blessed. We are blessed to be his people. And so he he has this this defining the relationship talk, this DTR. Only only folks in Christian schools know what a DTR is. Um, He has this defining this defining talk where he's like, look, I will take you to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And now I want to set you apart for my chosen purposes. But he says something, he says, you shall know. You shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. You shall know. It's interesting because I think as people like maybe one of the the biggest things that 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 I hear as a pastor and I've been able to walk with you all. And as I examine my own life is we want the answers. Don't we just want to know? Don't we want to know if the decision is right? Don't we want to know if, like, I should take this risk? Don't we just want to know, like, beforehand, is it all worth it, Lord? Should I be doing this? And God says something that is so profound, but yet I think each of us in our own lives can attest to it. He says this. He says, you shall know that I am the Lord who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Not what I'm going to do. He doesn't cast it forward as if you're going to understand and know it in the future. He says, actually, you won't recognize it until I bring you out. You're out of slavery and you can look back and see what I've done. You can look back and see what I've done. So now it changes the posture of the believer. So, so what does it mean to just to simply, um, uh, I'm not moving till I hear from God forever. Like, I get it. We should be tarrying. We should be seeking the Lord's presence for sure. But I think one clear example of how the Lord moves is that he's going to bring us through situations that are going to be difficult, trying, painful, 
And we might cry out like Moses, what is going on here? But not realize God's hand in caring for us in bringing his promises to pass until we get through it. And we look back and we see, wow, that burden is gone. Wow. That that slavery that I was under is no more. And so I, that's an encouragement to some of you who are trying to plan out your next steps. And as we have a lot of 20-somethings in our body, I love you. But when you're 20, like you sometimes can feel, as I should say, 20-something, when you sometimes can feel like if I, make, if I don't make the right career move, then, it, then my whole career path is going to be messed up, you know? If I, if I date the wrong person, the right one is, my, I might miss her. I might miss him. You know, we, we can put so much stock in one choice. And I think God is not saying that those things don't matter. They matter. Be wise. But he's saying it as it relates to my promises to care for you, to guide you, to provide for you, to protect you. I'm going to bring you through and make sure that that happens. So it's, it's funny, but, but I realize now, I know I'm, I'm the old head in the church now. Uh-huh. Um, I realize now, though, when I talk to my grandmother, I talk to some of my older aunts and uncles, and I share with them some of the, some of the situations that we go through, they kind of laugh. You really worried about which car you're going to buy? What school the kids go to? Really? You, are they eating? Is there heat in the house? You know what I mean? Like they just put things into perspective because in in our little world, we want to know all the answers, but there's a holy God who's saying, no, trust me and trust that I will bring you through. And then there will be a point where you look back and say, man, this God is faithful. This God is faithful. So we look at Moses and verse 9 says, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out to his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It seems like in these, these verses, it seems like Pharaoh's going to win. You know, our, our man, the brother that's been chosen to lead, is now self-imploding. The people aren't even listening to him. And so it seems like Pharaoh will win. But we, we had this um, we had this time where our, our elder Alvin preached and a portion of his sermon was like, but God, but God notice in verse 13, but the Lord spoke to Moses and gave them a charge. You see, they get this charge regardless of how Moses sees himself. 
They get this charge regardless of the of the adversity coming their way. They got Pharaoh acting crazy on the people. They have people being beaten because they're not uh, fulfilling a brick quota. Slavery just got crazier. Moses himself is doubting himself and what he's able to do. And yet God does not say, well, because you're doubting Moses, don't go on. I'll get somebody else. Not at all. We get this holy, beautiful God say, yep, you doubting yourself. But I got a charge for you to do. So (laughs) you ready to keep moving forward? Some of us have been gripped with worry. We've been gripped with doubt. We've been gripped with fear. Pain has led us to question everything that we're doing. And then I came across this, 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 this little, uh, this little ditty, this little reading in that daily bread. And it lists out some verses of, but God, all right. In Genesis 50 verse 20 says, you meant evil against me, but God, but God meant it for good in order to save many people. He says in Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart fail. An honest expression of, of how we can depend upon ourselves. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It says in Romans 5, for scarcely a righteous man will die for, will die for scarcely a righteous man will, excuse me. Will one die? Excuse me. Thank you. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God, see, but but God has a different character. His willingness to die on our behalf, even while none of us were worthy, demonstrates a character different than anyone else's. And what he sees in you, what he sees in me, is not dependent upon what you see in yourself. And for that reason, we have much to celebrate. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God fulfills his promises through me on my worst day. That God fulfills his promises through you in your weaknesses. Because we have a holy God that his promises aren't depend on how, dependent upon how good you are today. How strong you feel today. Even through a Moses that seems to be imploding with adversity all around him. God still charges him and says care for his people. And so family I want us to to rest in, 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 in two, two takeaways from this text. One, that you were chosen to be a part of God's body. But respond by choosing him daily. All right? This loving, gracious, merciful God exposed himself to you, revealed himself to you. Now, it's a daily fight for us to to submit unto his ways and to deny our flesh. But it's worth it. He is worth it. 
And then neither the, uh, the adversity that we face, whether it be external, all the drama that the world that Satan is throwing at us, nor our internal questioning, our internal doubt, our internal worry. None of that cancels us out how God wants to use us. Praise the Lord that who we are is not who, how God sees us and uses us is not dependent all upon us. That should be relieving. Don't abuse the grace, but be thankful for it. So family, I, I'm uh, encouraged by you and I want to walk with you specifically as we talked about uh, the difficulty of crucifying that flesh. Let us be people who are entering into community. If, if, if you don't have a brother or sister that you can confide in right now, then when you have some of those Moses moment type prayers, that they'll join in and pray with you or you, you think it's better that you do it alone and you keep the facade. I want to say Satan is fooling you. He's fooling you. Mac Ave is a place where we want that vulnerability. We want you present. We want you to do life with us. But we want you to have it above being a member here. So if you don't do it here at Mac Ave, that's cool. That's okay. Be convicted that that vulnerability and accountability should be happening somewhere. Mac family, will you pray with me? Lord, oh Lord. How majestic and beautiful is your name. Lord, we look at, we look at Moses and uh, it's actually kind of refreshing to see someone held up as such a strong figure in the Bible actually just break down because we can relate to that. But Lord, in relating to that, we also will see how you are the one who lifts him up. And so we ask that you would be the one that lifts each and every one of us up. We ask, Lord, that we would personally, personally, personally know you. And be connected to a great lineage and faith of promises that you've brought to pass. And Lord, we pray for those who are present that may not know you. That father, ultimately, it is something that we have to wrestle with, which is that you choose. We don't. But we pray, father, that you would choose every person underneath this roof and that they would respond to you with a life of obedience. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.